Why, hello, you filthy animals. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Matt, a.k.a. Leeton Rex, and welcome to what is sure to be, uh, uh, what is sure to be a very interesting episode of The Gap. I'm your host. With me, I have my co-host, Shane, a.k.a. The Beautiful One. How are you doing today, Shane? Can we all take the time to consider that we live in a timeline where the Sonic movie is actually good? And I, I didn't see it, I, so I cannot confirm whether or not it is good. I so. still can't wrap my head around that. <laughs> it's, it's like, what what universe is this? <laughs> uh, uh, it's the same, the same universe where fucking uh, the Pokemon live-action Pokemon movie was also good. Oddly. Are we ju- are we just like reaching a point where video game movies are just adequate films now? No, it was fucking. I don't you like fucking. It's re. It's gonna. It's like what's hap- It's like what happened with superhero movies. They were garbage for a long time, and now it's like in terms of like that. It's like when superhero movies were at when like when Blade and X Men came out, which means that they're perfectly <laughs> adequate. We're, we're, now we need we need the video game version of Spider Man. We need yeah. what like we, we need, need to like reach video movie. game movie renaissance. Yeah, we need like that really good one. Which one do you think it will be? That's the question. Uh Space Invaders. <laughs> just, just so just fucking just it's just so confident. Pixels, so confident but it's good. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Ew, get that shit away from me. Uh, Burn it with uh, fire. But with us, we also have Jen. How you doing today, Jen? Oh, we're back in the microwave, boys. (laughs) Shut up. I'm doing good until that comment. Thanks, Jen. (laughs) You're welcome. I got your back. Uh Do you really, though? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. No, so you don't have Jen's back. Wow. Wow. Well, no, no, how could I literally carry a back? Like, wouldn't that be deadly for her if she didn't what? have a back? What? What are you talking? <laughs> it's, you know what? It's early for me. Okay, fuck off. <laughs> Fucking. We have uh, we we have a fun episode uh, for y'all today. We have to we have some simul uh, uh, simulcast talk. We have a new <laughs> section that I'm gonna. And we'll talk about when we get to it. Um, we have, you know, we have a little bit of news. Of course, we have our featured anime of the podcast, which is more Hunter Hunter. We've been looking forward to doing more of this for a while, uh, and so it's we're back on with. Uh, so we're back on with Hunter Hunter once we uh, later on in the podcast. But let's start out with some simulcast discussion. Shane, is there anything you want to talk about for any of the ongoing anime? Okay, so we're like. Halfway through the season at this point, a little over. Yeah, we're not halfway. We've reached the point where everything's pretty much set in stone. Like, nothing's really going to change at this point, unless something drastic happens with one of the shows, and I don't really see that happening. Which is unfortunate, because then there's nothing really to talk about, because nothing's changed, you know? Yeah. So I really have nothing to talk about. Yeah, uh, other than the not. standard, Azuken is the greatest thing ever made. You should definitely watch it if you're not Jen. Excuse me, it's on the list. Good. That doesn't mean that means you're not going to get to it for yeah, seven years. I will. I will get to it. But yeah, um, it's really good and it's still charming as all hell, and uh, you should definitely watch it. And that's it. <laughs> that's and, all I got. And that's it. That's all I got. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't have anything either. Like, this is the this is definitely a case of, like, it's pretty much, uh, it's for pretty much, like, half of the series. Say, shows, if shows, like, start turn start to turn bad now, that's usually a big deal. Yeah. Because then it's, like, halfway through the show, they just, they just fucking explode. And it's like, oh, cool, I have an easy jump the shark moment for the year. Yeah, but unfortunately, no, it's most show. If the shows that are bad are still bad, the shows that are good are still good. Uh, nothing's really much changed. However, what has changed is the way we're doing the podcast. Because uh, we have, because after much deliberation and me and Shane talking, we've decided to add on a new section because you may have noticed here that despite while well, we cover it on news and on the feature anime sometimes, we don't really talk about manga a lot. On the podcast, which is a damn shame because we, because we do actually read a lot of manga here. Mm-hmm. We're not just like anime fans. We also read manga. We also, uh, and in the case of Spencer, some other people we eat light novels as well. Like we read, we consume more in terms of this stuff. We consume more than just anime. So now we're going to be adding a a uh, simul pub section to our podcast where we're going to be talking about the currently uh, the ongoing manga that we are reading that we are reading uh the the reading however we will i will also give people the chance to talk about any manga they're reading uh let's say like so if it's a manga that's been wrapped up for a while uh but they're reading it for the first time uh they have they can have they can talk about it on the podcast if they so desire uh, so so it's literally just fair game manga discussion yeah, it's going to be a fair game one because we don't do featured manga. No, unlike the unlike the anime. So obviously, so there's no other chance. It's like if we're reading a, if we're focusing on a manga that we're reading that we're like that uh, that has been out for a while, but we're not like simul. That's not simul published. Mm-hmm. Then this is your chance to talk about it. So let's start with Jen. Is there any manga that you are reading, Jen, that you want to talk about? Uh, no. Actually, I've been, uh, falling behind on my manga because, uh, school is a bitch. Fair. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair. Alright. Nice. I, I wish I had more to say. Uh, alright, that's all good. Uh, oh, alright, <laughs> Take it away, I guess. Um. Yeah, take it away, I <clears throat> guess. Okay, so... I've been one that's been very excited uh, for this new edition because, especially lately, I've gotten into reading manga weekly. D- more and more, as as time progresses, I'm catching up on more things that are currently publishing. So I have a lot I could talk about, um, but I'm only going to stick to two major things that happened in manga recently for me. Um, one of which is the new series that I've been reading, which... If you follow me on Twitter at BeardedGamingN, shameless plug, <laughs> you might have seen it. <laughs> you might have contributed to it. Um, I started reading Chainsaw Man. <laughs> <laughs> what was that laugh? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that was. But no, I started reading that. Um, and it's really fucking good. Um, if you like violent, bloody, gory, brutal series, this shit's for you. Because this is easily one of the most violent manga 
that I've read in quite some time. And frankly, I'm surprised that it's publishing in Shonen Jump of all things. Because it's, like, hyper-violent. And it's constantly at that level. Oh, I know what manga I'm reading next. <laughs> there you go. It's literally, Chainsaw Man is, like, okay. So, the thing I love about Chainsaw Man is that if you actually... It, Chainsaw Man, it's really stupid. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. like, so, Jen, here's the main premise. There's a guy who's uh, who has debt to the Yakuza... Um, As a no, well, oh, no, 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 we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, uh, he, uh, you know, he had, you know, he, he has debt to the Yakuza, um, and he, uh, and he pretty much like had, he has, and he makes like a literal deal with the devil. And he literally becomes a, a like a chainsaw man. He has chainsaws on his arms and it has a chainsaw on his head. Um, and now he's basically like, and now he basically hunts demons and shit. It fucking rules. <laughs> and that's the sh- and that's the manga. That's that's it. That's the whole thing. That sounds amazing. It's like there's this kid Denji who is forced into serving the Yakuza because of debt from his dad. And then he meets this little dog chainsaw demon, and they make a contract. So they go around hey, hunting demons dog. together. But then something happens, and they end up fusing together. So... They're, so, they're, some fucking shit, yeah. so they become one being... And since the the chainsaw dog demon is alive inside of him, he can use his powers to turn into a man literally made of chainsaws. <laughs> and it's the raddest shit. It's so fucking cool. But it's not like... The thing I like about it arguably the most is that it's not a style over substance thing. Because just based on that, you would think it's like pure style over substance. It's just hyper violence all the time and nothing else. There's a surprising amount of depth to its characters because everyone is just like beaten, broken people who are trying to survive in like this cruel world full of demons, and they're they're just trying to like find their place in life. And there's also hyper violent chainsaw bullshit. So I I like that mix. And I like that it's not just pure violence for the sake of violence. There's something under the surface that you really need to 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 delve into. Uh-huh. So yeah, so I'm really I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, and the art is like my kind of shit. <laughs> it's like now now that we can talk about manga, um, one of my favorite art styles in manga is like that really sketchy, rough, grungy art style. That's like super rough around the edges, but there's a lot of detail packed into it. And this is that in spades. It, the art is fucking gorgeous at times. Like I'm, I'm sure if you again follow me on Twitter at BeerGamingN, you've probably seen me post some of it. Some of those spreads are like incredible. There's one in particular with a bad demon, and there, there's, there's guts spewing everywhere, and I'm like, D- let's fucking go. So yes, um, it's awesome. Uh, I love it so far. Hopefully it keeps up. Uh, and then the only other thing I have to talk about that was a big thing that happened lately. Not just me. Everyone was talking about it. I'm pretty sure Matt knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. 
is the Death Note one shot that came out a couple weeks ago. Yeah, the Death Note one shot, which I've read. It's very oh, you have read. Oh, goo. Yeah, I have read it. Um, okay, so I love this. I love this. Oh, yeah. I thought this was great. Um, for some reason, for some reason, uh, the world just decided in like mid twenty nineteen that everything's gonna be anti capitalist now, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like fucking hot off the winds of par- uh, hot off the hot off of Parasite winning Best Picture, uh, well deserved. Um, fucking, we get. Um, we get fucking the Death Note one shot, which is pretty much Death Note's big fuck you to Capital. Yeah. Uh, and I, and it's, it's, it's fucking, the art's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. This is a surprisingly funny one shot. Fucking uh, Trump is in it. <laughs> Trump is, yeah, Trump is in it and he gets the Death Note. They fucking, okay. Um, Let's paint the scene. So, this is, like, several, several years after the Kira thing. Like, at least a decade later. Yeah. Um, And it follows this new kid named Minoru Tanaka, who has a uh, a meeting with Ryuk. And he's like, hey, kid, you want the Death Note? And he's like, what? What? No. No. Why would I want that? And then he starts thinking, like, wait a sec. I can use this to my advantage. Come back in two years, and then and then, and then we'll go from there. So Ryuk fucks off, comes back two years, gives him the death note, and he's like, okay, I have a plan. I'm going to fucking sell this thing. So he literally holds a Twitter auction to the highest bidder to sell the death note, and then it causes, like, global catastrophe. Like, everyone's just, like, bidding more and more, and then eventually the death note gets sold to the U.S. for $10 trillion. And then it turns out, afterwards, you find out that his plan all along was that... Which, it, in retrospect, it kind of makes no sense because it's, like, hugely inflating the dollar to the point where it, it's worth nothing. But his, his, his goal, uh, at the end of the day, was so that he could basically bring in all these funds for Japan so everyone is perfectly set for the rest of their lives. Like, everyone's basically rich. But, like, that's inflating the dollar so much to the point where it's basically useless. Like, there's some issues here. There's some weird, like, plot holes that make no sense, but... The thing I love about it the most is, honestly, Minoru himself, because... This one-shot does a great job at showing just how smart this kid is because he's just as smart as light was but for completely different reasons like he's very tactically smart he knows exactly how to play the system and where to put his pieces where by the end light was kind of falling apart and making huge mistakes and i I like that contrast between light and minoru and it shows that, hey, this this kid's just as smart as Kira was. And how did you feel about Nier in this? Because I'm a little conflicted on that. I don't like Nier in the main series, so that should tell you cool. everything you need to know. Good to uh, know. I'm not a huge Nier guy. Because... Uh, <laughs> Because uh, I have a lot of issues, I have a lot of issues with the last turn of Death Note personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being said, I think the strength of this uh, 
proves one thing that I've been saying for years, and I think that what this is what they should finally do with the Death Note property, because Death Note is one of the most successful and popular properties with Sony Jump. They constantly bring it back, they're constantly making new adaptations, they're constantly doing new stuff with it because they know Death Note makes a ton of money, yep. and it's also cheap to make. It is not necessarily a heavy action-driven series. It's a very no. psychological, talk-driven series. So you can make a lot of, like, not just anime of it, but a lot of live-action stuff with it, too. Because uh, it's very, very easy to do. Um, because of that, I've been calling this for years, and I think they should finally do this. Just make a fucking anthology series for Death Note. Just make a goddamn anthology series where every chapter or every episode there's a new guy with the death note. Yeah, it's just like, a bunch I, of one-off short stories. Yeah, they don't have to be like a take place at the same time. They don't need to be modern day. One can take place in like ancient Japan. One can take place in like fucking like America. One can take place in like Australia. Britain, yeah, like, or, like that's what that's what I was saying. Like imagine death note stories in different countries because we've only seen it from Japan's perspective. Yeah. Like, just imagine if they take the Death Note other places in the world and how that culture reacts to the Death Note. Like, yeah. that would be cool as shit. There's so much you can do with it. And I just also, this is one shot was also just great. And Minoru did not deserve what he, what he got. That oh, was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking Ryu's an asshole. Yep. Um, like, fuck uh, it, I, I, I love that because, like, even if he had the best intentions in mind, this one-shot sets in stone, hey, if you fuck with the Death Note, regardless of how you use it, you're gonna have a bad time. You're gonna have a real bad time, kid. Like, no one's gonna get off Scott for using the Death Note, even if you don't actually use it, because he never actually used it physically. But he took, the, but he took it, which implies mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Um, like, like if you don't like Ryuk always honors his promises. If you don't take the death note, he's not gonna fuck with you. Like he don't care. Yeah. He's just gonna let you be, be like, okay, yeah, but uh, you obviously don't want it. It's all good, and then he'll leave. But can if you we, want the death note, then he's gonna stick around. Can we talk about the fact that Trump got off scot free <laughs> because he refused the death note? How the f- okay? You would think that that of all people, Trump would be the first one to get the death note. He would put like fucking Hillary Clinton's name in the fucking death note <laughs> and just put the name. You put instead he wouldn't put like Hillary Clinton. He would put like Hillary emails. <laughs> oh god! Like he would fucking. You would think that he would be the first one to take it. So I don't I, I don't know. Like I like um, I, I like how it's like here. Okay, you won the option here. The death knows yours. But I just had a meeting with the Shinigami King on my way here because this was some bullshit. So we got some new rules. If you take this, you will die. But you don't have to take it. So which one's it gonna be? And of course, Trump pussies out, which means that Minoru gets the short end of the stick, which he did not deserve. That's some intense microwave action right now. Yeah, that's a that, that's a good that's a uh, like that's it. like that's like defrost on high for eight minutes. D- defrost on high for eight minutes. It's like she she's putting in like one. It's like a big ass steak, and she needs to defrost it before she can cook it. Mm-hmm. And she just put that shit that's and that in the microwave. And then you start to hear it like pop, and you're like, oh, should I take it out? But it's still cold in the middle, and it's like, oh. What? And then it's popping, it's still cold in the middle, and then when it's done defrosting, it's still fucking cold. It's still cold. 
Don't you love that when you try to defrost something and it just doesn't defrost? Don't you love it when you try to like? Stop making fun of me! Don't don't you love it? Well, we're not making we're making fun of microwaves at this point. Don't you love it when you go to defrost bread because you're like, ah, oh, shit, I forgot to take out bread and then it's frozen and then you put it in a little too long and then it's just soggy. Eh. It's it's that. That shit well, you sucks. know what you, what you do because I have a strong ass microwave, so like the problem is I actually when I put in things, I actually need to put them in for like like twenty seconds less than what they're supposed to be. You have a nuclear powered microwave. <laughs> no, because well, it's because the default power is at one hundred and twenty percent of its Wh- Why? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's like so your, I have to put- your microwave is just default in overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So what I do is I instead, so either a, I put it at a hundred percent, which is like the normal deep, which is like normal power. Uh, I put it at a hundred percent, which takes you know energy, mm-hmm. or I just oh I just put it on for twenty seconds less. If I put it on for twenty seconds less though, if I put it, if I don't though, I'll walk in and I'll like let's say I'm making like a hot dog. And I'm putting in like oh, a hot dog. Oh, that hot dog, dog is fucking. Exploded. If I put it in there, <laughs> no, it's straight up. It will straight up be like two dogs. It's like split in half <laughs> because of the fucking. Well, then you just get a split dog and you can put some cheese in the middle. Oh, yeah. See, see, there's positives in every negative. Almost like the death <laughs> note. Just kidding. <laughs> Modern solution. Fucking, what if you put the uh, death note in the microwave? The, it, nothing would happen. It's a book, Shane. <laughs> would it burn, though? See, Jen, uh, Jen knows what I'm talking about. You know what? They tried to do that in the anime. It doesn't burn. Yeah, I, I know. Oh, fuck. The death note can't burn. It also can't be destroyed, either. If you try to destroy it, it kills you. Yes. I of know. course. <laughs> of course. Uh, the, when you actually look at the rules of the Death Note, it's like, why did anyone take? Would anyone use this? It's like yeah. so restrictive. It's like, okay, so, uh, uh, it's like, okay, so you can write anyone's name and they will die, but you must do this and this and this and this and this, and you can't do this and this and this and this and that and this really? and that and this and that and then. <laughs> and it's like. Fuck it. It's so many of them, too. Anyways, yeah. Death Note one shot real good. Yeah, real um, good. Real good. I want, I want more. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No. <laughs> no. One Piece is still in flashbacks. So oh, yeah. The, they just released a new chapter, literally as we started. Yeah, so One Piece is still in flashbacks, so we'll talk about One Piece once that fucking flashback's done. Uh, Which, when will that be done? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Probably never. They're about to. Oh, okay. Never mind. That's getting in spoilers. I'm gonna just close that now. <laughs> oh shit! It's like, uh oh. <laughs> oh whoops. Oh whoopsies. Well, anything can Whoopsie daisies. Anyway. So I think we're pretty much done here with Simon Public. Then, if there's nothing else we want to talk about. Nah, I think we're good. No, I can't. I think we're good. Let's move on to news. We only have two pieces of news. Uh, so oh, we shit. You weren't kidding. Fuck. Yeah, we don't really have anything. Uh, but the first one, uh, first piece of news is actually about uh, it's about a uh, upcoming anime that's 
technically not based on something Japanese. Uh, have all have both oh. heard of something called Tower of God? Before? Yeah, I've heard of this. I I saw this. Tower of God. Uh, well, Tower of God is a Korean manhwa, which is basically Korean manga. Um, and Tower of God is probably one of the most popular. Uh, uh, manhwa on the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, it is, it is very long, but also very good. Uh, it is widely acclaimed. Uh, so Tower of God is getting well. Tower, so Tower of God has been one of those highly requested. When will this get an adaptation? Well, it's not only getting an adaptation; it's getting an anime adaptation. Uh, so let's read up. The Tower of God Animation Partners Production Committee announced on Friday that Rotto Entertainment, uh, Aniplex's wholly owned subsidiary, will produce an animated television series based on Korean creators Sui's Tower of God manhwa for the region of Japan. So far, the staff have not yet confirmed if it is a Japanese anime studio animated the project, but it will have, but it has a Japanese title, which is Kami, which is Kami to, uh, uh, Tower of God. The animated work will premiere in Japan this spring. Uh, the, the work will also have a simultaneous release in Japan, South Korea, and the U.S. Uh, so, okay, so if any of you have not read Tower of God, I highly recommend everybody goes to go do that. Uh, it is very, very good. The best way to describe Tower of God is if fucking a classic Japanese shonen met like Stephen King's The Dark Tower. Uh, huh. which I think, which is a, yeah, it's really cool. Uh, and it's a Korean mom and it's Korean. So even though it's not necessarily like Japanese, uh, because it's not Japanese, it has like a, it's still very different. Like there's a lot of, like the tower itself is like a character in itself. Because, like, you go into the tower and has, like, multiple... Every floor has, like, its own life force and own creatures in it. And they, like... And there's several layers to all the towers. So, it's it's just a really cool, really fascinating... Really fascinating, like, uh, uh, manga. And it's one that you definitely, definitely should check out. Uh, and I'm really happy it's getting an adaptation so more people can watch it. It is very, very good, and it's gonna definitely gonna be one of the my like for spring. It's definitely one of my most anticipated for that season. One hundred percent. This is one I'm watching. So definitely keep that on our radar. Our final piece, our, our other piece of news, our second uh, and about, final piece of news, <laughs> our second and final piece of news is about Seven Deadly Sins. Oh god no. Oh no. <laughs> it's about seven deadly sins. Uh and the announcement is that it's got one volume. Uh uh is that it's wrapping up. Uh so let's read on. Uh the Twitter account for the editor of an on on uh Nabaka Suzuki's Seven Deadly Sins manga posted uh, a color printing proof for the manga's forty volume scene right on Thursday. Uh, the, pho- the photograph of the color proof shows that the vo- uh, so the author says Suzuki reports that the manga has one more volume left after volume forty. The forty volume ships on the seventeenth, so the day this episode comes out. Huh. Uh, the f- magazine previously stated last May that the manga's hundred uh, fifteenth chapter, titled "Farewell Seven Daily Sins," would be the manga's climax. But the manga continued on past that. Uh, 
Suzuki stated in August 2018 in an interview that Katakawa's Da Vinci magazine that he was planning to conclude the manga without a year, about 40 volumes worth of story. He noted that he had an ending plan since the beginning of the manga, and he plans to give an ending worthy of a shonen manga. Uh, so, so is it actually going to end this time? Yeah, it's actually ending this time. Uh, because in last time, we like I remember reporting this back about a year mm-hmm. ago. They were like, "Yeah, it's ending, boys," and it's still and, it's and still going. It didn't. It didn't end. It just kept. It just kept going. Uh, don't you um, love it when they do that? Yeah, but apparently, though, they have like a, vo- a volume left of story. Uh, so yeah, so so seven ladies since I need to actually read it. Yeah, I've never actually read it. I've only like watched like the first season and like that's it. I would say so, I would watch it. Um. But there's that train wreck of the third season still going, so <laughs> I don't, yeah, maybe it's I just better it was, to read it. I don't know. I don't know. I I I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just better so to like, read it at this point. <laughs> it's like, man, remember how One Punch never got a second season? Yeah, like One Punch, man. Like, like if only it got a second season. Man, what like, a shame. Yeah, it's a damn shame. Like it cut all its momentum too. It's, it's really, it's yeah, really like, unfortunate. Okay, nobody cares about. Everyone's on mob now. Is this mob shit? Garbage anime. Trash. Trash anime. You need to watch real anime like High School DD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and fucking to love Rue. <laughs> to love Rue or real anime like fucking please teacher. Ah, <laughs> oh, the greatest. Oh, yes, the greatest. <laughs> I think Jen would agree with that. Yeah, Jen, don't you agree with that? Completely <laughs> agree, yes. Yes, 100% agree. Yeah, see. <laughs> uh, speaking, of, uh, speaking of anime, or featured anime of the podcast, which is, uh, which, as I mentioned before, is more Hana Hana with the long-running action-adventure shonen series that we uh, covered about a year ago. Uh, to almost to the exact, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, here we go, and we're going to be covering more of it. We're going to be doing two more arcs here on the podcast for uh, our featured anime of the podcast. So we're going to be starting with so our first. So let's cover the first. Let's talk about the first one that we're covering, which is the York New City arc. Which we'll be covering episodes thirty-nine to fifty-eight. It was directed by Hiroshi Kojima and written by Atsuji uh, Maikawa, and from Studio Madhouse, it aired for twenty episodes from July fourteenth, twenty. 2012 to December 9th, 2012. It's currently licensed by Viz Media, and you can watch it over on Crunchyroll. And I believe it's back on Netflix. Yes, this part um, is back on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, I believe that uh, York that everything up to York New is on Netflix. Yes. Uh, so, and if you haven't seen uh, Hunter Hunter uh, prior to York New, uh, what are you doing? Yeah, do uh, that. Why are you watching this podcast? Like, get uh, out of here. Get out of here. Watch all of that. Watch like fucking 58 episodes of Hunter Hunter. Then Watch come the back. entire series, all 148 episodes, and then come back. Watch all 148 episodes of Hunter Hunter. When last we left our heroes, uh, uh, we uh, Gon and, uh, and Killua discovered a message inside a game called Green Island, which they believe is from Geese. Uh, Gon's father and it, Gon's father and Gon has had a quest for his entire life to try to find his father. So of course he would be interested in. It. Uh, however, there's just one issue. It's not the game itself; it's just the memory card. 
So they have to go. So so they have to go to the York New City auction in order to get one because they because there's going to be a couple of them sold there for a bunch of money. However, there was trouble of Rain. Uh, the the evil phantom, the evil phantom troop, the same group that murdered that that murdered uh, Karapika's clan, has come to has come to York New City to steal all of the to steal all of the auction items from uh, auction items before they can be sold off. And of course, this also the of course this also brings Karapika into the mix. Who wants to exact his vengeance on the truth? So, uh, York New City represents something of a tonal of a tonal shift in Hunter Hunter. Uh, this is def- This is the arc where Hunter Hunter turns from a uh, turns from a slightly darker uh, than normal, but still relatively noticeable shonen series to much more of the dark, violent, br- uh, brutal deconstruction that most people know it as. So, Shane. Uh, uh, what do you think of the York New City arc? I think we should start with our guest, honestly. Oh yeah, actually, yeah. Let's start with our guest, Jen. What do you think of the uh, York New City arc? What can I not say about it? It's amazing. I love it. It's one of my favorite arcs. Um. Not only do we get to see more of one of my favorite characters, Kapika. Uh, we get to see him develop as a character. Uh, we also get to meet some awesome new characters as well. And we get to see a little bit more of the Phantom Troop, which um, from the start you're like, oh, this is some kind of mysterious group. They're probably really badass, but they can kill off an entire clan. Yeah, they, they, they've been talked about in like hushes and whispers up till this point. Yeah. And then finally getting to see the Phantom Troop, it's just like, Okay, yeah, these guys are... Don't want to tangle with these. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh. All right, Shane? So. This arc rules. (laughs) Like, it's... (laughs) It rules. Um, If it wasn't for another arc in the show, it would easily be the best that the show has to offer. Like, hands down. Um, I I love the direction that this arc takes this series because, like Matt said, up until this point, it's a very standard shonen with some darker elements thrown in, but this is where it, like, does a complete 180 and goes straight into, like, the dark, gritty drama that most people know this show as. Um... I love everything that it does with the atmosphere. I love Karapika as essentially the main character of this arc. And we get to see a lot more of him and his inner turmoil. Um, But the best part is the Phantom Troop themselves. Like, they are a great group of villains. One of the best that I've seen. And they're all such interesting characters. Because they're not standard villains. Like sure, they're they're terrible people that do terrible things, but they the show goes out of their its way to humanize them in a really interesting way. So you actually end up feeling for them more so than hating them, which I really like. Those are the best kind of villains that you can actually like get behind. Um, yeah, this this arc rules, dude. <laughs> like, that's, what else can I really say? All right. Um. So. Uh, this arc is, you know, when I originally saw York New, 
Uh, this is the arc that turned that I really loved Hunter Hunter up to this point, but York knew was the uh, York knew was the was the arc that finally made me go, oh, so that's where the hype around Hunter Hunter is. Um, because up until that point, I was just kind of like, you know what, this is very, very, very good, but like I've seen better Shodan than this, and then I saw York and I'm like, okay, yeah, no, this is where this I I, I completely get it now. Uh, cause this arc is excellent. Uh, it's extremely well paced. Uh, the animation is stellar. Uh, it has, it's, no, it has really great character, it has really great villains. I love how it switches the focus from Gon and uh, Killua to other characters. Gon and Killua are barely in this. Um, and I really love that. Like they like for the for like the first half of this arc, they're pretty much non-existent. They pretty they're pretty much not there, and when they are there, in the second half, they're not the main characters, and they don't really contribute a lot. Instead, this is all about Karapika. It's about the troop. It's about the mafia. It's about a bunch of other characters, and they all have tons of depth, a lot of in, a, a great character interactions, and it's. No, and I love the I, I I love where it's going, and I love the themes it tackles. Um, and I just and I I just think it's a really smart, really well constructed arc that like show that is Hunter Hunter at its best. Like it's Hunter Hunter when it's doing everything just just to perfection, and it's it's just like a it's like a it is it, it's 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 magnifique. Um, so let's talk about favorite episodes of the arc because there's only one. There's only and one pick here. <laughs> there's only one pick here. I think we all three of us have the same pick. Um, well, 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 let's see, Jen. What was your favorite episode? Episode forty-nine. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. not. Yeah. She picked the wrong one. No, is that the fight? No, it's forty-seven. No, forty-seven. Forty-seven. Fuck. Okay. No, I messed up. It is forty-seven. <laughs> Yeah, forty nine is the one where they're fucking chasing the um, chasing the troop, and Gon and Krill are like, "Yeah, we have to got the troop." And then the end of the episode, they're like, "Wait a minute, we got captured." <laughs> Whoops. Well, I fucked up. All right, see you guys next week. All right, <laughs> let's, let's let's end the podcast right now. <laughs> uh, okay, but yeah, it's forty seven. Sorry, it's forty seven. Forty seven condition c- condition and condition, uh, which is. Better known as the Karapika versus Uvagin fight, which oh my god, Holy shit, dude, gorgeous. The animation in this episode is stellar, like, like some of the best the show has ever put out. This this show confuses me because I don't understand how this ran weekly for almost three years, and it looks as good as it does, like consistent quality like this. I don't, I don't. I don't know what Wizardry Madhouse was doing at the time, but like, holy crap! <laughs> yeah, this episode looks incredible. Um, I love the look of this. I love this episode. Like the storyboarding in this episode. Mm-hmm. I love how every shot conveys so much. The shot of Karapika in the moon mm-hmm. is like an instantly iconic shot. Uh, I love. But most of all, I love how it subverts your expectations on how this fight's going to go. Yeah. Because up to this point, Ubugin has been portrayed something as like a force of fucking nature. He's a really powerful Nen enhancer who just fucking demolishes everybody in his path. 
He is de he defeated three of the Shadow Beasts by himself and by eating one of them. He literally ate the leech, dude. <laughs> he ate him. He ate his head. Yeah, he ate him. So... Uvagi, so when you see Kanapika go up against Uvagin, the first thing you're thinking is, oh shit. Kanapika's gonna get his fucking ass kicked. Instead, it's pretty much a one-sided battle against Kanapika. Kanapika just demolishes Uvagin. Mm -hmm. It's an, it's, this episode it's not is in the context. Yeah, this episode is where we really get to see Kanapika's men power at its end. Broken? Broken. Busted. When my eyes turn red, I turn into a specialist, and I can use all forms of Nan at 100%. And I'm Wait, like, Okay, buddy. Me? All right. It's a peak, Kanapika. Like, you don't expect this. No. But once it happens, you're like, yes. And I, yeah. I, I love... I love everything with the chains... Like, just as a power, it's a really cool power, and it does a lot of interesting things, especially with the, uh, especially with the contract that he puts on his Nen. But the chains are also symbolic of Karapika as a character, because he feels chained. <laughs> I get it. Um, he feels chained to this path that he's put himself on. He feels like he needs to carry this through. And the chains are a really nice, like, visual metaphor for that. It's really cool. Yeah, I love that. I love also, the chains game. are just nutty. Like, they do so yeah, many yeah, different they, things. They do so many different things. They're fucking powerful as shit. And I love, like, I just love, like, the choreography in the fight. But I think my favorite moments in this episode are not the fight. The fight itself is amazing, but I love just the app the end. Because unlike a lot of shows, like the show, like unlike a lot of shows, there's no like fucking victory. No. To when Evil when he kills Uvagin in any other show, you'd be like, okay, yes, he's finally doing he, it. He took down the bad guy. Woo he took down the bad guy. But here, they had spent so much time like humanizing Uvagin that it almost comes across like Kropika almost comes off as a murderer. Kropika is the villain. Like yeah. Like, he comes across as, like, a fucking murderer. Yeah, and he's a bittersweet Because Uvagin is just... Outside of him, just, like... Outside of him, you know, being a thief and a killer, he's kind of a chill dude. He's just a cool dude, man. Yeah, he just... He's like, kind of a chill dude. He wants to, like, drink beer, hang out with his bros, you know? He, he just, like... He just likes hanging out with his troop buddies. He likes... D kicking back shots... And he likes fighting people. Like he likes fighting. People. He's such a and pure, like, pure boy. He's just yeah, he's a pure boy. And, and sure, he Karapika. murders people, but like whatever, who cares? <laughs> he, does, he does murder people. Uh, but then Karapika is like, bruh, I'm gonna kill you because you killed my, uh, you killed my clan. And then he's like, who? <laughs> no, the what? <laughs> what the fuck I are you talking about, buddy? How, like, I do kind of love the idea, though, that none of the troops like actually remember remembers what yeah. happened that day. And then there, and then Kara, but for Kara, because like for Karapika, that was the day that everything changed. But it was just another day for the troop. Yeah, it was just another job. Yeah, it was just another job, and 
I do like though. It's like, well, eventually they're gonna they were gonna piss off the wrong person, and they pissed and off they the did. wrong. And they the, did. <laughs> they pissed off the wrong fucking person here. Um, yeah, I just I just love this episode. Uh, it is just amazing. Uh, it's one of the every time I tell people watch Hunter Hunter, I show them this fight because then they're just like, yo. Oh, okay. This is the uh, this is the real shit. It's epic. Yes. Yeah, this is the real like the real the real shit. Let's talk about favorite character because there's one character and there's there's only one character for this arc that's like the best like clearly. Uh, although there's several great ones. Uh, so Jen, who's your favorite character from this arc? It's, it's obvious it's Kratika. I love this character. I, I have Kratika as well. Shane, do you have Kratika? <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. I don't think that'd be... I think that means no. That that Yes, that means no, Matt. All right, so let's talk Kratika. Because, uh, all right, so, Jen, let's it, like, give me your opinion on Kratika first, because I got a lot to say, so... Well, I've loved this character from the start. He's logical, he is determined, but, but this is where we really get to see him shine as like a leader figure. We get to see his amazing men power. We just see another side of Krapka, and it's badass. It's not like, a I good love, side. It's, it's not a good side, but it's badass really gives Karapika more emotion because in the hunter exam you see him as kind of just this very calm collected person but in here you see a more kind of human side to him where yeah he gets angry uh, he's affected by his emotions and I think that's really awesome to see this character develop yeah uh, so Karapika is my favorite hunter hunter um, he uh, he's my f- absolute favorite one. I have a bunch of others that like that ch- that depending on arc they change. Which one's my favorite? And they depending on like which like which arc. Uh, like I'll I'll be like oh yeah, like this is my favorite. But Kropika overall, in terms of all of Hunter Hunter, he's my favorite. That's interesting because in a lot of ways, Kropika. Because I was reading this like, a couple days ago, and I really love this idea that – because in a lot of ways, Karapika is, like, the actual protagonist of Hana Hana. Like, think, like, really think about it for a second. Because, like, outside of like, – because, like, all of the main antagonists, with the exception, uh, with the exception of Reed Island and Camarion – have connections to have connections to the troop and have connection which has connections to Karapika and also like because what because what because without getting into spoilers for later on Karapika pretty much is the it becomes the lead of Hunter Hunter mm-hmm. and no and like and like Karapika's the one with the main like the big main arc he's the one with the with the more interesting backstory, he's the one who had you know, who has to fight the troop. Like his, no, no and like and his like story of vengeance, his he- like his uh, his story of vengeance, his like like a uh, singular minded goal is what makes him such a fascinating character. Because it's because 
unlike a lot of characters like this, the show is explicitly in the like no Kropika's wrong category. Kropika's not going down is going down a very bad path right now, and it's only gonna end poorly for him. And it's and what makes but what makes Kropika a fascinating character is not that he's he's not unlikable. He's extremely likable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, extremely likable. He's like what Jen said. He's also, but he also gives a lot of shit about the people that he cares about, and because of that, it's a very you feel very conflicted. You want to see him, but you also don't because you know that's going to end poorly. And because of is that, that, and then there's like that balancing act that Tagashi does so well with, does so well with Kapika. Plus, his powers are cool as shit. His powers are fucking rad. He's... <laughs> His powers are fucking rad. Easily my favorite Nen powers in the entire out of the main cast. They're wacky. Uh, like shit. I have about the chains. Um, one of the things I do love about the chains is he uses them as an extension of himself. That that's the best part about um, his Nen power. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is a conjurer, so that makes mm-hmm. complete sense. So, and I also uh, I also love how he puts a. a he puts a constriction on his Nen where he can only use the chains against the troop. Only so, the jail. Only the jail. He can oh, use okay. any of the other ones. Right, I forgot about uh, that. Yeah, yeah. So only the chain jail can only be used on the troop, though. But because it can only be used on the troop, if it's used on the troop, they pretty much can't break out of it like at all. It's impossible. So They're he's li- he's literally overpowered. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, honestly, if Karapika really wanted to kill the fan, this is what makes him a great character. If he really actually, if I felt, if I felt like if he really wanted to kill the Phantom Tube, like actually wanted to do it, he could just do it. He could like, just, he just, he could just do it. Chain all of them, kill all of them, like in two seconds, and just like leave. But he doesn't. But he doesn't do that. He to- he like he fucking he do- he doesn't do that at all. Which makes me think, which 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 is great, which is a great way of showing that, yeah. I don't think he actually wants to kill them. He just feels like he has to because, yeah. oh, that's what anyone else would do. He feels chained to this fate. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's well written. Shane, who's your favorite character though? Um, it's the guy that he kills. It's Uvogin. <laughs> <laughs> because he's like, he's just a big piece of shit, dude, bro. Like he's so cool. It's like he's just the he's he's just the cool guy. He just likes you know sitting back, drinking a beer with his buddies, and also you know murdering uh, innocent people. But <laughs> like he's 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 just really cool. I I really like him. I like how he's basically like a super jacked Wolverine with his design. <laughs> he is no, he's a no. He reminds you know who yeah you know what you know who he reminds me of actually now Thorkel. Yeah, mm-hmm. and which is your favorite kind? Which is of my character, favorite character in Vinland. So, I think we found Shane's. I just kind like of favorite. Kind I of just character. like this is like my archetype for male characters. If they're just big, big dumb, dumb pieces of shit who love fighting. <laughs> like, That's probably why he loves Goku so much because yeah. Goku is a big dumb, dumb piece, piece of shit. <laughs> but like, and I. Uvo, Uvo is just really endearing, like, and it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, how they f- they humanize the entire troop. Like, you end up feeling for them, especially with Uvogin, because he's just like, 
yeah, whatever. Let's just go do this job. I like killing people. Hey, you want to hang out later? You want to you want to drink beer with me? And then Shulnark's like, yeah, I don't, I don't drink, buddy. And he's like, ah, come on, it'll put hair on your chest. <laughs> and it's just yeah, he he's he's just fun. And I I really like him a lot. He's simple. He's to the point. But he's so charismatic and endearing, you can't help but love him. And then he gets put in the ground. So, literally. <laughs> it's it's like, I love, I, I absolutely, yeah, Uvagin's great. I love Uvagin, uh, so good choice. Uh, but with the favorite, must come a least favorite. Jen, who's your least favorite character from York New? Does she have one? That's the thing, I... <sighs> I have one, and I think Shane might have the same one. I don't know. When it comes to least favorites, it's it's hard, because... I don't know. In this arc, there's not many that I've found or... Bad. They're all good. I... I don't know. <laughs> Honestly. Alright, we'll get back to you. So, Shane, who's your least favorite character? Technically... It's a group of characters. <laughs> Oh, is it the Shadow it's Beast? It's the Shadow Beast. Okay. They don't, don't, okay. don't do anything. Literally, their entire purpose is to job to Uvo. That's literally <laughs> their entire purpose no, in this no, no, narrative. No, 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 only three of them do. The rest of them die to the rest of the troop. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that's, like, like completely, like, brushed under the rug. It's like, you see, you see the shit that Uvo destroys three of them, like, with no issues whatsoever. And then the rest are just, like, dealt with just as quickly. It's like, all right, Off you screen. guys were literally pointless. Yeah, they, they were literally pointless. Fucking the... I love... Favorite's favorite character, all of the Shadow Beasts. All of the Shadow Beasts. Fucking... Fucking... And they're all... And they all have, like, weird-ass powers, too. Like, there's literally one guy whose power is that he has leeches. He just made of leeches. Yes. Yes. He's a leech man. There's another dude who he's a worm man. <laughs> there's another guy. There's another guy. His he's a dog man. He's, he's a, a porcupine. Porcupine. That porcupine guy, by the way, uh, disturbs the yeah, is disturbing to me because he can control can control every follicle of hair on his body, and I'm like, ugh. Ooh. Yeah, that, that, that's uncomfortable. Like, imagine seeing that in real life. No. Thank you. I, uh, <laughs> no. I would take a hard pass on that one. <laughs> no. Yeah, Alright, so, Jed, so Jed, are you accusing <laughs> the Shadow Beast? Yeah, it's the Shadow Beast. I, I honestly didn't consider them, because I'm like, well, they're, they, they're kind of insignificant. Yep. So it was like, eh. Literally, but they're... They're just meant to show how strong Uvo is, and that's it. That, that was their only purpose. I was also considering the Ten Dawns, who are also killed off screen. But they're not on. But, but they're also not on screen enough. I, yeah. Unlike the Shadow Beasts, the Shadow Beasts are built up as like having like a presence, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, then, and then they're just destroyed. It's like well. Which Tagashi does a lot of, by the way. He'll build up like a character and be like, "LOL, nah." Um, lol, nah. My least favorite, though, is not the, uh, not the Shadow Beast, because I can't stand this, I can't stand this bitch, and that's Neon. 
Uh, wow, okay, you and Spencer agreed then. Cause okay. yeah, I can't stand Neon. Really? Uh, I I think she's a I think she's a spoiled brat. Oh well, yeah. I agree, but even then, she's definitely not the most annoying character I've seen. So I can I can actually tolerate Neon. I I do find her annoying. However, I just uh, she's not in it enough for me to care. And her powers get stolen by Crollo anyway. So like, exactly. I completely understand where Matt's coming from because yes, she is an annoying bitch. He is typing oh, yeah. furiously over there. I know. It's you know. It's just one of those. Uh, it's just. It's a thing where like my pro. It's like with her. Is that she's she's also like nothing more than like a living MacGuffin. That's all yeah. she is. Yeah. She doesn't really do anything. She's just an. She's annoying. Uh, she just. She constant. She's constantly like yelling and screaming and throwing a temper tantrum. And it's it's a case of like it's a case of like whenever she's on screen, it's like, Ugh, please I, die. I, I just, no, I just don't want I just don't want her around. Her fortune teller telling powers are really cool, and they become they I, become very relevant to the story in the arc later on. Yeah, they do. Uh, but but by that point, they not Neon doesn't have them anymore. Prolo does. And Crollo is at least more interesting character than Crollo is. is. We'll get into the we'll get into Crollo in a bit. Um, but yeah, so I'm not. A, I really don't like Neon, uh, frankly. Uh, frankly, although I do appreciate the attempts at trying to give her depth um, uh, when she is interacting with Crollo. Uh, so let's move on to other things that are really good about this arc, particular because I want to talk about Crollo. Okay. And Crollo, because Crollo is an excellent, excellent villain. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I think he's amazing. Um, I think I think the thing that makes Crollo so good is the fact that um, that is that like his motives are constantly his motives are constantly unknown. Mm-hmm. You don't get a backstory for him. Don't get any like sense of motivation from him because of that. He's unpredictable and he's completely mysterious. And those it's, are the best types of villains. villains. Yeah. yeah, that's what makes him so terrifying is the fact that you don't know what he's planning. You literally will not know what he's about to do, and yeah. that constantly <laughs> keeps you on your toes. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those. Uh, and, and I really love. And I just. I also love his. Uh, like I really love his personality too. Mm-hmm. Like I just, uh, like I just love the whole. Um, I just love. I I think what makes him interesting is that he's like the rest of the troop. They humanize him too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like humanize Crollo hard. Like, oh yeah. Like they do a lot with him. I think of course, uh, and of course, I think it would be remiss to talk about what I think is probably. If it's not my, it's not my favorite episode, but it's my favorite scene, and that's of course the fucking the requiem for Uvergeen. Oh yeah, I, where he's conducting e- in the tower. Yeah, easily my favorite scene of this entire arc is that scene. Uh, he's conducting the chaos. He's conducting the chaos, and the music in that scene is stellar. Amazing. Uh, uh, it's stellar. Uh, it's well directed, well animated. It's gorgeous to look at. 
it's well storyboarded. Uh, it's just a great scene, and it's so. But it also says so much about Crollo as a character. Mm-hmm. Just like, and I, I love, and I just love the shot of him when he reads his, when he reads his, when he reads his fortune, and he sees, and he sees Uvagin in the fortune, and he just starts crying. Yeah, like no no reaction on his face, but he is shedding tears. Yeah, and you and it's like, and then you realize the he's like, oh, the Phantom Troop doesn't see each other as like just comrades; they see each other as like family. Family, yeah, and that's what I love the most about Crollo is because like those two sides of his character, where he's like an unpredictable, wild, like serial murderer. That's not what I meant to say, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like a serial killer. But then on the other side, he's like this weird, almost father figure to the rest of the troop. Like, he brings them all together, and he he holds this weird, distorted family of theirs together. And it's like the two... It's, it's the dichotomy between the two sides of Kroll that make him s- such a fascinating character to watch on screen. Yeah. Is yeah. anyone sad that they didn't pick Crollo for best character? A little bit. Crollo would be my Crollo would be my favorite. He's, he's up there, but it, Kanapika. What, what can I say? Yeah, Kanapika would have been my favorite. Uh, is my favorite, but it would have been Crollo. I really, really love Crollo. I think he's fantastic. And also, uh, there's that fight that he has with Silva and Zeno. Ah, uh, it, it's badass. It's just it really badass. And the way he faces death, I'm just like, ooh. Smart spoilers. Uh, Not the first time he does it. Speaking of which, outside of Crollo and Uvukin, who is your favorite of the troop? <laughs> oh, that's tough. Uh, yeah, that's a. I um, really love Nobunaga personally. Yes, yes, that, that's a top one for me. Nobunaga. Shawmark. He's got his cool cell phone Nen abilities where he controls people with the needles, but he also has like that lighthearted, almost kitty attitude to him. It's really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's a uh, yeah, fucking uh fucking uh Shawnock's pretty great. I really love um like I really love Nobunaga though. I I mean he gets a lot of depth. To him and i and, uh, but if i and if i uh, if uh, and plus like i think out of all of the uh phantom troop i think he's like the one that has the most like he's the most fascinating to watch because he's like the least like a phantom troop member because like the because he like it's like unlike the other phantom troop he's like he's unlike the other ones he's driven by his emotions and you can clearly see that like when Uvagin dies, he just he's just like I want to kill the chain user. Give me the chain user. Get, get let me kill him. Um, and I, I I think it's an I think it's interesting to see like how he interacts and and constantly um and how he interacts and constantly um like butt heads butts heads with the other uh to true members. Because uh, all all of them are pretty, all of them are great though. So like, it's not, it's uh, fucking. I love Machi as well. Yeah, Machi's yeah. great. Uh, she will yeah, she kill would. you. Oh yeah, she would. 
so yeah, any, uh, Shane, anything else in particular you want to talk about? Uh, animation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Hunter Hunter is one of those anomalies, and I've talked about it a bunch before, but this show ran weekly for three years, and yet the animation quality just keeps getting better. Like, I... I don't get it! <laughs> I don't get it! I, I don't get it! I don't get it! I don't get like, it. His uh, animation, like, across the board in this arc is stellar. Even in, like, the not action-heavy scenes and the more downplayed moments, the slower moments, it's still very well done. Yeah, which by the way, there are quite a bit of in this arc. This is not an action-heavy arc like we'd think it would be. No, this is a hardcore like crime drama type arc. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love those hardcore crime dramas. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I love the, I just love the, I love it. And, it, and the color palette reflects that. The color oh, yeah, it is, is it is dark and drab and, like, gross-looking. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's really, um, like, washed out and dirty and grungy, and it fits the atmosphere of the arc perfectly. The blood in this arc is not, like, bright red like in most manga. It's, like, fucking dark, disgusting red. It's, like, a dark looks- crimson color. Yeah. Uh... I absolutely like. I love because I love the look of this arc. I love the way it's animated too. Uh, I love the way this arc ends as well. Oh yeah, the anticlimax. Yeah, because the best thing about this arc is that it ends on the most anticlimactic, uh, anticlimactic kind of like subdued note you can think of. Mm-hmm. Like it's like because like. Because, because like you would think that like in any other shonen, the end of the arc would just be like a like a big fight between our lead characters and the and the troop, but it doesn't work like that here. Of course, this is Hunter Hunter, so of course it doesn't work like yeah. that. Instead, the end of the arc is a fucking the end of the arc is literally like a a hostage. It's trade. a negotiation. Yeah, and it's so well done. And what's and what but the more important and the more interesting things about it are the is the build up to it the what it means for the characters and of course the stuff with Hisaka, mm-hmm. uh, which Hisaka gets a lot to do here even though he's not actually in the arc that much he still gets really great stuff to do here. Hisaka is like the dark horse of this arc. Like he's always there even if he doesn't have a whole lot of actual screen presence. Yeah, and you never know what he's gonna do because he because he makes it clear early on that he, he's like the troop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a shit. I, I want to fight Crow. Oh, fucking! Care. I think that's the best part about Iska is that he just wants to fight Crow. He, he just wants to kill the leader. That's all mm-hmm. he wants. He wants to kill the leader because you why? Because it turns him on. He's yeah. horny. horny. That's what it is. Horny. <laughs> But I love, I love the, um, I love the ending of this arc too because it plays into what Hunter Hunter has been setting up since its inception. That subversion of standard shonen tropes, where it doesn't end the way you think it was. Because me, when I first watched this, I too thought it was going to end in this big climactic battle with like our main group of heroes against the troop, and it was going to be this big clash. 
And then the final episode of the arc rolls around, and they're negotiating a hostage switch. And I'm like, uh, um, where, where's the fight? <laughs> where, where is it? <laughs> and it's like, I love that about Hunter Hunter so much, because it always keeps you guessing. It's so unpredictable in how it, it the the order of events is going to play out. So you never know what's going to happen. And it always does exactly the opposite of what you think it will. Even from the beginning. Like, the Hunter exam, you think, oh, Gon's going to go through this perilous tournament and he's going to he's gonna struggle, but he's going to make it out and get his license. No, he gets knocked out in the first round. Heaven's Arena, the big clash between Gon and Hisoka. You think, oh, he's it's going to be a struggle, but he's going to prevail and he's finally going to, you know, one-up Hisoka. He gets his ass handed to him. <laughs> Here, York knew. You think it's going to be this big clash between these two groups? No, they just swap hostages and then they all go their separate ways and it's over. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, the only arc in this series that has that big climactic finale you would expect is the next arc, Greed Island. Yes. Yeah. And I, I love that unpredictable nature of Hunter Hunter. And it's like, it always does the exact opposite of what you think it will. And it always keeps you guessing. Yeah, and I love, yeah, I love the ending arc. Uh, Jen, anything in particular you want to talk about? Yes, 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 yes. I want to talk about Melody. I love this character. Ooh, Melody! Oh, fuck! I forgot about Melody. Yes. Honestly, she is second pick for my favorite character. This character is just... I, I don't know how to describe her. Um, the, the minute you first see her, you think something is... Something's up here. Something's up here. But no, she is just genuinely this kind-hearted, caring character. She's the reason to Kurapika's... Um, she, she's the voice of reason mm-hmm. when Kurapika goes off the rails. Um, also, her abilities are just unique. Yeah, her, her, her musical Nen is really interesting. And I love how she can also listen to people's heartbeats. Mm-hmm. Like, she can just hear people's heartbeats and know when they're lying. Yeah, like, she that, can she can feel, and, she can tell which emotion they're feeling based on the heartbeat. It's really cool. It's it's really cool, but it's also really scary. Oh, yeah, because, like, she she can use that in any situation to her yeah. advantage. And she hears, she hears Krola's heartbeat, and she's like, what the fuck? Death. Death. When she heard Krollo's heartbeat, you could see just the fear in her face. Well, because Krollo has no, he he just has the same heartbeat no matter what happens. He's just like, this, which is terrifying because then you're like, oh, he doesn't feel anything. Anything. He's kind of a sociopath. Um, uh, I love Melody, though. I think she's great. Uh, I love I fucking I love her interactions with uh, with Karapika. I think that so her backstory yeah, it's her- it's very brief and short, but it's to the point how she got her abilities, and I like that. Yeah, I really love Melody, and I I want her to show more. I wish she showed up more past this. Same. Um, yeah, she um, only shows up like briefly from this point on, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is unfortunate because she's great, and I would, and I really, and I and I love seeing, and I love seeing her. Uh, I also want to bring up the fact that Gon and Quilla, uh, Killua's fucking um, <laughs> storyline this entire time is like okay, so we have Karapika's storyline, which is an a- tales of vengeance, 
crime drama, fucking deaths, uh, deaths, and a lot of really mature stuff. Gone and Killua arm wrestling. We gotta get the cash. We gotta get money. We gotta make the moolah. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious. I love. I. I love. It's so stupid. It's so they walk, dumb. They, they, they're like, yo, we can make some money like in an underground fighting ring. And you, you would expect it to be like an actual like underground like fighting Like an underground ring. Heaven's Arena type thing. But no, it's just a bunch of big <laughs> buff mafia dudes fucking arm. Arm wrestling a child. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. When I first, when I first saw that... I'm like, this is so stupid, but it was so funny. And it's like, it, it shows how well Hunter Hunter can balance its tones, because there's all the really serious, dramatic stuff happening with Karapika and his, his quest for revenge in the Phantom Troop. And then we got these little shits over here in their underground arm wrestling ring. <laughs> Just trying to make money so they can buy a video game. With Leorio going like, hee hee, what? And like if Leorio's like twisting his mustache, like mm, I'm going to profit. <laughs> it's the best part because it's that's what you'd expect from like little kids. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, they're not little, little, but kids. They're like twelve. They're like yeah. Yeah, but is it like what? How do you explain the nineteen-year-old fucking egging them on? <laughs> well, because he wants money. <laughs> He has to pay his way through medical. School. He has to pay for medical. Also, school. I do love the. I do love the. Uh, I do love how like when he gets drunk, fucking Gon is like, you, I, "Are you even allowed to drink?" And he's like, "I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> Which is such, such a nice subversion because normally in stuff like this, you're not allowed to show like underage drinking or whatever. Uh, especially in Japan, they have a big uh, taboo about that. If you show underage drinking, that's a big no-no. Mm-hmm. Here, it's just kind of like they show it anyways. And Leorio's like, are you even supposed to be drinking? Leorio's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm drinking. Give a shit, kid. Leave me alone. <laughs> it's great. Uh, they also made an episode about appraising fucking... Objects, interesting. Yeah, praising uh, antiques and stuff. How they manage to do that? Because watching that in real life is so boring. It's it's a snooze It's the but most boring, cut dry shit. Yeah. But they but make it interesting and fascinating, and because it comes back later in the arc too, mm-hmm. um, and it's really smartly done. Uh. Fucking uh, anything else we want to talk about this one? Because there's a lot. I, I don't know if we're missing stuff. Because I think we. Oh, we three. always are. We always are. We're always missing something. Uh, Shane, is there anything you want to discuss more? Because um, not really. Other than the fact that I'm happy that the troop sticks around after this. Yeah, same. Because it seems like they'd be like a one-off group just for this arc, and then maybe they're ever present. And then maybe Krolo sticks around. Maybe like Nobunaga sticks around. Maybe like some of the more important ones stick around, but the rest of them are killed off. But no, no, the whole the whole troop sticks around. The whole troop, with the exception of uh, Ubogin, who's dead. You know, Kajoda. Who's also dead? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, God rest her soul. Yeah, God rest his souls. 
Um, but they all, but yeah, they, just pre they pretty much stick around. And they do um, play prominent parts in the later arcs too, which is really nice to see. Yeah, uh, like they stay around, uh, which I really love because I really love them. Like I know, uh, I know we're gonna get to it in just a minute, but when they show up on Greed Island, it's like, what? <laughs> huh? Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, I it's pretty great, Jen. Anything else you want to cover? Um, no, not really. I, I think I've covered everything I wanted to talk about. I, I think just, it's, I, I wanted to talk about Melody. Yeah, I think it's I think it's time for final scores then. All right, final scores time, Jen. Ten out of ten. A ten out of ten for 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 York New City. All right, uh, Shane. A ten out of ten. Yeah, easy. I'm gonna also give it a ten out of ten. This is an easy score. This is a masterpiece. The, like it's perfect. This is Hunter Hunter at its finest, and honestly, if it wasn't for the one arc that everyone knows, this would be impossible to top. Yes. And it's such a great turning point for the series as a whole, and it introduces so many fascinating elements and characters that fortunately stick around. This arc is just incredible from start to finish. I love it. Yeah, this is one of my favorite arcs. This, this is one of my favorite arcs. It's perfection. I love the pace. I love the tone of it. I love the look of it. I just think it's. I think it, it's Hunter Hunter at it's Hunter Hunter at its most consistently great, and I really love it. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to the next arc, which is the Greed, which is the Greed Island arc. Now, what's interesting about this is that Greed Island is where the uh, is where we finally start to get into material that the original series did not cover. Mm -hmm. um, at the very least, on uh, at the very least on TV, it, it, the original series did adapt Greed Island in OVA um, format. In yeah. OVA format, it did it did adapt it, but in OVA format. Uh, so this uh, this uh, the Great Island arc covers episodes fifty nine to seventy five and is directed once again by Hiroshi Kojima. However, there is a change of writer in Great Island, and it is Suzumu uh, Suzumu Ka uh, Kamishiro who would be the writer for the rest of the show. It's from Studio Madhouse, it aired for seventeen episodes from December sixteenth, twenty twelve, to April fourteenth, twenty thirteen, and is also and like the rest of it can be found on Crunchyroll. Unlike with the other arcs, though, it is not on Netflix. At Everything least not yet. At least not yet. Everything past York New has yet to be re-released on Netflix. Um, Greed Island. So at the at the end at the end of York New City, uh, the the auction is back on, and and now Gon and Killua have access to Greed to Greed Island in order to try to find some kind of clue as to where Gon's father Gein is. Guinness. In order to do so, they have to enter the game itself. Because the thing about Greed Island is that it's a it's a game that is controlled by Nen and just for Nen users. You go inside if you go inside when you you play the game, you are actually in the game itself. And if you die in the game, you die in real life. <gasps> so, so it's dun, dun, so, dun, dun, dun. Uh, uh, of course, there's a nice subversion to this, nice like little twist to this, but we're mm -hmm. not going to talk about that just yet. Um, so they enter the so they enter the world of the game and now have uh, entered the world of the game and decide that they're just kind of gonna hang around here and complete the game. That's pretty much what they're trying to do. And of course, along the way, they meet a new a new mentor that will help that help tries to help that helps them 
like almost basically complete their Nen training, as well as they come across a mysterious new villain only known as the Bomber, a, a, you know, a Nen user who is killing fellow players in an attempt to complete the game. Greed Island is interesting because yeah, a lot of people, you either there's two kinds of Hunter Hunter fans. You either fucking love Greed Island or you don't. Um, this is uh, it's a much more polarizing arc. Rest of the rest of the series and it's very clear as to why jen what do you think of reed island <laughs> this one is hard for me because i love it but it's not as strong as the other arcs oh yeah no definitely not De- yeah i agree yeah mm-hmm. i love the idea of being inside a video game and when you play the game you're in the game I love that concept, but uh, I don't know. There's, it feels like there's something missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shane. Okay, so I really like Greed Island. I like what it brings to the table. The concept and the mechanics behind the actual game of Greed Island I find very interesting. It's basically just Pokemon, but instead of collecting creatures, you're collecting like inanimate objects and cards, and I find that interesting. Unfortunately, there's a lot of issues with this arc. Um, the side characters aren't as interesting as previous arcs. The actual mechanics of the game kind of get muddled and confusing at times. The villain is nothing special. And it's unfortunate about how it's placed in the overall narrative. Slapdab in the middle of the two best arcs that are dark, gritty, mature, serious. And then we have a little kitty game in between. Um, the, 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 the placement of this arc really hurts it in the long run. Uh, as well as its pacing. It's definitely not as well paced as some of the previous arcs. Um, it does feel like it starts to drag a little bit. But overall, I still very much enjoyed it for what it is. It's just a lot of fun, and coming off the cuffs of York New, we definitely needed something a little more lighthearted. So I, I, I'm glad that I'm glad that Greed Island exists. I know some people don't, but I'm glad that Greed Island exists. I enjoy it for what it is, and I had a lot of fun with it. Greed Island is at its best when it's character building with Gon and Killua. It uh, is at its best for that because it's ser- Greed Island actually, in reality, serves two purposes. One, it's mainly a it, in a lot of it, Greed Island's a training arc. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a glorified training arc, but it's also it also serves a purpose as to be kind of breather between the two dark arcs that it's in, that it's placed in between. It's supposed to be kind of like a breather, so that way you're just not overwhelmed by just the sheer level of darkness that we're about to get to. This. The issue with Greed Island is not its tone, it's not necessarily its premise, it's, it's in a, but it's totally 100% in its villain. Uh, Greed Island, the problem, the biggest issue with Greed Island is that its villain is just not that good. And because of that, it really, really suffers. And it really, really suffers because everything that... Because when this is not focusing on the villain and it's just kind of like an adventure, it's a training arc or it's an adventure arc, but they're just trying to traveling through the world, it's act- it works actually surprisingly well. When it's doing the stuff with the bomber, 
I don't give two flying shits. Yeah, who gives a shit about getting through? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it, it's pretty much it's which is kind of a problem when he's like you know the big main antagonist for this arc, and he and his big thing is that like you know he's killing other players, which you would think would be a big huge deal, but he's kind of like a side plot in his own arc. Oddly enough, which is kind yeah, of yeah, it's annoying. weird. It's really weird. It's really, it's really weird. But let's get into more detail. What is your favorite episode of the arc? Because I think we all have the same episode. Maybe it's. I don't know. Let's um, Let's go, Shane. What is my favorite episode of Greed Island? Is episode seventy? It's the episode before the end of the dodgeball match. Oh, guts and courage. Because mm-hmm. mine and is seventy-one bargain and deal. The end of the actual end itself. I uh, was torn between seventy and seventy-one because the so let's end. Just talk, of, let's just talk about both of them. Let's just talk about both of them because the end of the dodgeball match is very strong, and mm-hmm. the reason why the dodgeball the dodgeball match itself is the best part of the arc is because it's not a typical fight. It's much more a show of strategy and intelligence rather than brute force. And that's what I love about Hunter x Hunter is a lot of the fights aren't just, like, pure, like, showings of strength. A lot of it has, like, really strategic elements to it. And this is the best example of that because the entire fight is a dodgeball match. And it's like, okay, well, we have to win the dodgeball match so that we can progress through the game. Unfortunately, we got this big... We got this big piece of shit sportsman who's standing in our way. Um, but the reason I chose 70 instead of 71 is, while I do love the end of the dodgeball match, and the strategy behind that finish is great, I think that 70 does a great job at showing the dynamics between Gon and Killua. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on, especially when it comes to showing how reckless gone can be and how selfless Killua can be because it's obviously been established up to this point gone's a little reckless you know Killua will do anything for gone but it's played up to the extreme here where Killua is literally willing to sacrifice his hands so that gone can launch the ball he's putting himself in danger but he doesn't care because it's for gone's sake and gone is more than willing to do it he, they try to play it up as like, oh, um, Kill was the only one who can hold the ball for me. I have complete trust in him. But in reality, it's just him being reckless because he wants to win. And yeah. that's great foreshadowing for the next arc, Chimera Ant, where those elements of both these characters are played up to the extreme. And it honestly says a lot about them going into yeah. that. Because yeah, I really love... No, I, 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 was, I was pretty much done. Go ahead. Yeah, because uh, I because I love how this show portrays that dodgeball match. There's so much going on here in those dodgeball ma- and that dodgeball match, and and I and I love how like they're forced to work with Hisaka the entire time as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think because Hisaka is always that like unpredictable element to Hana Hana that is why the show works so well, and seeing him with Gon and Killua is one of the main is like. It's fascinating. I I always love it when like vi- when, like antagonistic figures need to work together. 
Like that's why I love that's what I loved in Dragon Ball Super when Goku and Frieza needed to work together to right. fight Jiren, which was you know amazing. Yeah, um, it's similar here, but it's more interesting here because he's because Hisaka, in a lot of ways, doesn't really give two shits about Gon and Killua. He only really he cares more about keeping them around because he has like some kind of fetish for them or whatever the fuck. Yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. So like, so you have a situation boring. here where like the only reason that Yusuke even fought Gon in the first place is because Gon was like, "I want to fight you," and he's because like, "All right, why?" <laughs> he's because like. Why I, I I don't have a need to I want okay uh, so so but now that they're like on the same playing field Hisuka can kind of just like be himself almost mm-hmm. and it's fucking weird. Yeah, and he uses his bungee gum to to reflect the ball, and he like breaks his own hands in the process. <laughs> like he dislocates all his fingers to re- to receive Razor's ball, and it's like ugh. Uh, it's like disgusting and ugh. <laughs> all right jen what's your favorite episode uh, see i i was again i was also torn between 70 and 71 um but i do have to agree with shane i like 70 a little bit better because i just i love seeing the dynamic between gone and Kilua. like mm-hmm. they're adorable <laughs> what can i say they're so cute um, and just the relationship between them, it's its very genuine. It, it really feels like the calm before the storm of the next arc yeah. in this episode. Because yes. like I said earlier, there's a lot of foreshadowing in this in this one particular episode with these two characters that's, that's basically uh, pushed to the extreme in Chimera and... and Honestly, it's that it's that notion that makes me love this episode more than I thought I would. Because I was going back and forth between the two, and I was watching them like back to back, and I'm like, which one is it? Which one is it? But then I saw all the character depth and the the, the subtle foreshadowing that Seventy brings to the table, and I was like, I I can't pick any other episode. Plus, it's just a fun, goofy dodgeball match, and it's just a ton of fun to watch. Yeah, I, I had to go with Seventy just because of. Characters are in the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not development, but uh, I think the word, but just the interactions between Gon and Killua, just I, I love it. And like how mm-hmm. Killua tries to play off the fact that his hands have basically been nuked. <laughs> he's just like nah, my hands are fine I can go another round and then Bisky grabs his arm and his hands are like purple and swollen and bleeding it's like oh it's like, dude it's like, kill like sit this one out yeah <laughs> it's like kill shut the fuck up but I, I also love just it, as as you said Shane I love how Kilo would do anything for Gon like, yeah and that comes back to bite him in the ass doesn't it yes it, it really does but it's it's very genuine the way it's um, it's uh, shown in in mm-hmm. this. And they do a brilliant job with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, who's your favorite? By the way, speaking of characters, who's your favorite character this arc? There's only one pick. There's only one. <laughs> There's only one pick. 
Bisky. It's Bisky. It's Bisky. It's Bisky. It's Bisky. <laughs> I love her. She is adorable. She is hilarious. She's serious when she needs to be, but she's just the perfect mentor character. She beats the shit out of Killua. She beats that boy <laughs> like whole. Oh. That like, is child God, abuse. Yeah, he gets his ass handed to him. And she call he calls her a hag, and she just sends her flying. Like every episode, it's I, like I I love Bisky so much, but I think the thing I love about her most is again, what Hunter Hunter does really well, it subverts your expectations because Bisky shows up as this, this mentor figure. She's gonna train Gon and Killua to use their Nen more efficiently, but then you learn more about her that you weren't expecting, like the fact that she's over fifty years old and she looks yeah. like she she's looks like thirteen. She's yeah, she looks yeah, like... She looks... <laughs> That's gonna be me when I turn 15, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> uh, Jen is Bisky like... confirmed. Jen is Bisky confirmed. She's like, does she's 50 years old? She's like, fucking... Uh, does she She trained Wing? Mm-hmm. Uh, she Which used to be an night... examiner? Yep. There's a lot of uh, nice callbacks and narrative through lines with Bisky's character that just kind of ties everything together. It's really nice. Yeah, and then of course you see her like true form as well, and it's something else. It's fucking magical girl Ori, dude. Yeah, it's fucking great. <laughs> uh, and I absolutely fucking love, and I fucking love it. Uh, fucking just Bisky, like she's hilarious. She's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I think she's one of the major reasons why when Green Island works, it works mm-hmm. because. She's, she's hilarious. Really funny. She's yeah, so just funny. the bigger between her and Kilua, it never gets annoying. No, That's it doesn't. It's always funny. Like, yeah, it's 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 all yeah, it's always funny. Like when you first see Bisky, like like when you first you think that she's not going to be a mentor character. You think she's going to be like, oh, we're going to introduce the fifth member of the group now, the token female, the token do- girl. I thought. I thought when they introduced her, because they introduced her, she's, like, looking down on Gon and Killua, like, stalking them. She's like, hmm, interesting. I was like, oh, she's going to be, like, a rival player. She's going to be an antagonistic figure. She's gonna, yeah, she's going to go against Gon and Killua to try and win the game. It's like, nope, she's actually going to teach these little fucks. <laughs> she's going to teach them, and she's great, and she's... And, uh, and uh, uh, I, I don't know, I just, Bisky's just, like, easily the best character in this arc. Uh, who's your least favorite, by the uh Jen? <laughs> Do you remember his name? No. Okay, well... Just, just, describe him. He's the dude who has the monkey Nen Beast. Oh, that fucking guy. What the fuck is his name? Uh, it, it's I Gorenu. Know. I have it written down. It's Gorenu. Gorenu. Yeah, no, he's just so insignificant. And I'm just like, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything exactly. He doesn't do shit. And then he gets the shit kicked out of him by Razor, and it's like, well, he's out for the rest of the arc. Yeah. He's just. What? What? What more can I say? He was insignificant. He was there for a very short amount of time, and just he did nothing. I he think, contributed absolutely nothing. I think the reason why I dislike this character so much is because they tried to play him up as an actual important figure in the arc. Like, he becomes part of the group that Gon and Killua form throughout the arc, and he always sticks around, and he seems like he's important, but in reality he does nothing 
and yeah, like you could replace you know him what? with my anyone. least favorite prior to this was another character but no it's him like now that you've read it up i'm changing it last minute to this <laughs> were you gonna guy. pick gen through yeah that that was my second pick was gen through i don't like because i really don't like Gen through um, as a villain, I think he doesn't work, but we'll get into that in a second. The um, only reason why I picked uh, Monkey Man over Genthru is because at least Genthru has a purpose. Gornu, you could swap out for literally any cookie-cutter character, and it would be the exact same. Yeah, he would be. He doesn't do anything, and for some, and once again, the le- uh, and, and, and once again, a shonen has no idea what to do with fucking monkey character. Um, <laughs> uh... I don't know why this is a trend, but... Yeah, because he gets uh, knocked out with a fucking dodgeball. Yeah. yeah. I, okay. He was just... Right. Insignificant. That, like, yeah. I couldn't even remember his name. That That's how much... That's why he's my least favorite. I literally had yeah. to look it up. Yeah, yeah, he was uninteresting, forgettable. Um, yeah. He was played up a bit too much. It just... It didn't work. Yeah, so fuck that guy. <laughs> He's probably still knocked out on the dodgeball floor. Probably. <laughs> hmm. oh right, uh, all right. Uh, Jen, is there anything you want to talk about with this arc that stood out to you as a positive? Um, I think Shane mentioned it before, but I did like how they use almost like the the Pokemon trading kind of thing, mm-hmm. except in card form. That was really interesting. Uh, other other than that, eh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's tough. Like, there's a lot of issues with this arc, so it's tough to, like, find a lot of the positives, because there are positives in this arc. Mainly with what Matt said earlier, like, this arc is at its best when it's treating it as, like... A, a light-hearted adventure training arc where we're just focusing on Gon and Killua enhancing their nan abilities. That's where it's at its best. Easy. And, you know, the dodgeball match, of course. But that's easily where the arc is at its best. I mean, it yeah. was... It, it was a good, um, a nice breath of fresh air between the two darker, more heavy arcs. Mm-hmm. I will say that. I, I did enjoy it for what it was. It, it was lighthearted, and it, it was fun. It's just it's just fun. Like That's yeah. like the best thing that you can say about this arc. It's, it's just fun. Yeah, it's a very fun arc. Uh, it's a very fun arc. I also really love like just the game itself. Because mm-hmm. I think it it's stupidly well detailed. Like, I'd play it. Yeah, I I play a fucking if they came out with a Greed Island video game, I'd get that shit in heartbeat because that's this sounds like real. It's really detailed. Everything lines up. It's a little confusing, but also because like it doesn't because the because the that's less of, that's less of a fault of the world building and more of a pacing. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, uh, like the world itself is like really well detailed and smartly constructed. Uh, it almost feels like that Togashi, when writing Greed Island, wrote the entirety of what, how Greed Island, the game, works before he wrote the art. Yeah, it feels like it. It feels like he had all the rules and mechanics laid out before he even started actually formulating a story around it. Yeah, which is smart. Uh, it's not. It's not just. It's not. It's not a. 
arc where the game rules change with the story is that the story the rule is that the story works within the confines of the game itself and i think that's really smart um i also love the twist that it's not a game at all it's yeah it's just it's just world. a real ass place that they just get transported to yeah, which I think is a great subversion because then it's like, oh shit, so no wonder people actually die. It's just a real fucking world. Yeah, it's just a real place. People are actually dying. Yeah. And then that also it also makes so much sense when the Phantom Troop just show up on the shore yeah. of Greed Island. It's like, oh, this is an actual tangible place. Of course they could just do that. They could just do that if they find it because, you know, they, they literally looked on the internet for two seconds and were like, wait a minute. Yeah, the hunter the hunter database is like busted in this universe. <laughs> the hunter database? Why the fuck, man? Like, like fucking. Why do hunters have any problems with anything? I don't. They can know, just man. go on there. Just and go on like, Google. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally Google. It's literally. It's literally like you just go to your local internet cafe. You just type up how to kill the president. <laughs> And then, and there it is. There's all the info you need. This is it. It's one of those things where, like, uh, fuck. It's like, it's like one of those things where, like, this is definitely the art art that like relies a lot on its fun factor. I think Mm -hmm. because. As we're about to get into it, the pacing doesn't really work here. Pacing is all over the place. Yeah. It doesn't really work. Uh, it jumps around way too much. It jumps around between the training stuff and the actual uh, and the actual game stuff and the bomber stuff all over the place, like constantly. And it, by the end, it never truly lines up that that well. Yeah. And then we uh, spend four episodes down. on a dodgeball match. <laughs> yeah. And the episode. Yeah. The um. The the the, uh, the storytelling is a little choppy in this arc. Uh, he's just trying to get from one point to the next, um, and a lot. And let's t- let's talk about Genthru because I want to finally dissect why he doesn't work. Who even is this guy? <laughs> he comes out of nowhere, and we never see him again after nope, that. Never. He's literally. Oh, uh, he's the he's the he's the perfect example of an arc. He's an arc villain, and that is it. That's it. That's his whole purpose. He's the antagonist of this specific arc, and he plays no greater purpose for the rest of the story. Yeah, that's it. And he's only there because you know. Oh, we need. It feels like Togashi was like, "I need an antagonist." We need some sort of conflict here, even though you know, actually completing fan- the game itself is more than enough conflict. But it's more than enough, and you have the Phantom Troop. That itself should be like, you know, they discover the game is real. They go onto the island. They don't have the book. They don't have like the books and shit. That would be an interesting, like, hey, someone just comes to the island and just starts wrecking shit because they don't have, because they're not technically, you know, in the game. Yeah. Like, that would be an interesting, like, that's already a conflict you have there, but now you have Mr. Bobby Man, <laughs> who, who's just like, I have planted bombs on all of you, please give me the cards I want, because I want the money. <laughs> His motive is just kind of... <laughs> Boring. I think I made shape. <laughs> I think you were shape. Yep, yep. Every every time. 
<laughs> Mr. Bobby, man. <laughs> I have planted bombs on all of you. Now give me the money. <laughs> That's literally him, though. He's um, li you're not wrong. Mr. <laughs> I guess I have I have bombs that look like bugs. <laughs> I named my my explosion power after a fucking flower. <laughs> can we talk? Okay, can we talk about how Genthru's Nen powers? It's just Killer Queen. It's just <laughs> it's Killer Queen. He's Killer Queen, but lame. But lame. <laughs> Basically, and he doesn't have heart attack, and he doesn't have bites the dust. It's just Killer Queen. Yeah, it's so stupid. He's a, he he uses it. He's like, I touched you, and now I have to. Now you, you are have a to, bomb. You're a bomb. If you want to disable the bomb, just touch me and say, I caught the bomber. But the joke's on you, shithead. I'm not going to let you do that. Dude, I'm just going to leave the game. Bye. <laughs> he, just <fucking> <laughs> he just bails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, his motives as a villain are very... He has no motives. He's literally there, there no sort of... He's a, there's a way for Gon to beat the shit out of someone at the end of the arc, which, to be fair, that fight is actually very good. That fight is um, rad, and it shows just how reckless Gon can really be, because he loses a fucking arm. Yeah. And he's like, you know what, if it's to take you down, I'll gladly give up my arm. And I'm like, oh, you little piece of shit. <laughs> That's not how this works. It's not the first time Gon has uh, done something to his arm. Not yeah, what's with Gon and his arms? Like... Fucking, uh, fucking, um, fucking, yeah, but that fight, yeah, that final fight's really great, but yeah, Gensru just doesn't work as a villain, and he, it's because my biggest, the, the Green Island feels more like a classic shonen arc than the rest of Hano Hano, which ironically makes it stand out more as, like, a fucking, just, like, it's the odd one out. Anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. As, like, a weird anomaly that doesn't really work, because, like, Hano Hano prides itself on deconstruction of 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 shonen, of shonen tropes and green island doesn't really do that it kind of sticks to them with the exception of some small things mm -hmm. and it's mostly just kind of like there yeah um uh which is kind of weird actually you know not much you can do about that no nah, uh, not really anything else you want to talk about um i did oh, want to mention we haven't talked about rager yet Oh, fuck, Razor. Okay. Very, very close pick for favorite character for me. I love Razor. I love him so much. He's so cool. And I especially love the connection that he has to, to Jing. And it's how, how when um, Jing was making Greed Island, he needed people to be like quest givers. And so he, he took all of these inmates that were on death's row, and he gave them a purpose, specifically with Razor, who, before he became a Greed Island practitioner, he was a serial killer, and he killed people, and he was on death's row, but Jing was like, nah, nah, I, I, I don't care about that, I need you to fight my son in dodgeball. <laughs> and it's like, it's really stupid when you, like, get right down to it, but it's such a heartfelt moment. Especially from <laughs> Razor's perspective, it's like, this is the first time someone actually trusted me with anything. And that meant the world to me, and it really helped me get my life back on track. 
But even then, you can still see, like, the murderous intent in Razor when he's playing dodgeball. Like, he's out to kill this fucking kid. He's just a great, he's just a really fun character, and he's interesting, and the ties that he has to Gon's family history is very intriguing. And he serves as a great, honestly, I think he should have been the antagonist of the arc instead of Genthru. I think that would have worked a lot better if the dodgeball match was, like, the final hurdle. And Razor was the one standing in their way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would have worked a lot better. Yeah, he's a lot more interesting to me. Uh, He's a lot, yeah. Yeah, but Razor's great. Like, Razor's actually, like, one of my favorite characters in this entire arc. I think he's great. If it wasn't for Bisky, he would be my favorite. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Yeah, if it wasn't for Bisky. I mean, I love Bisky, so... He is precious. I mean, nothing will be Bisky, let's be real. Yeah, nothing will be Bisky. Um, in terms of other stuff I want to talk about, I just want to bring up the fact that <laughs> Gon crushes a dude with a fucking boulder. <laughs> oh my god. Like, he just... Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, he lures Genthru into his trap, and then he drops a goddamn boulder on him. And it's like, yeah. whoa, kid, all right. <laughs> Take Calm a step down, back bro. here. And then it's like, oh, okay, the boulder didn't deal with him. He, like, he bombed his way into the pit so he wouldn't get crushed. Oh, just kidding. The kid's still here and he's about to, like, rip out your intestines or something. I don't know. This kid's crazy. This kid... Watch out for the kid with the rock, paper, scissors. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah. The, the last real thing I have to talk about is, which we haven't brought up at all, um, the music? Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we've mentioned this music before. I mentioned it during... Um, A little bit in York New, yeah. Yeah, York New. Okay, so the person who composes the music for this version of Hana Hana, his name is uh, Yoshihas, uh, Yoshihisa Hirano, who also did the music for Death Note and a bunch of other stuff. Okay, I don't think, I do not think it would be crazy to say that this is one of the best anime soundtracks on the market. Mm-hmm. Like, without question. Um, his music for Hunter Hunter is stellar. Yes. Um, there's also the, uh, this is, uh, this is also the new, the, this is, the Green Island also has the new, the third ED, which might be my favorite one. It's so that's that's what I that's what I was referring to. Like that ED is so good. Yeah, like it's real good. It it can't be Fear and Loathing, of course, but it is a close second. I love the Greed Island ED so much. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, just like the music here is really great, and also, um. Uh, so fucking, uh... Never mind. Oh, uh, but is there anything we're missing? Because I feel like we're missing, like, one. Um... I mean, then there's all the... There's all the negatives that... I mean, we brought up... I mean, we've already kind of brought them up, so... Well, it's like, wonky pacing, weak villain, too many characters that don't do anything. Yeah. Like, this arc particularly... Like, the group of secondary characters, they're just kind of there. And they're not yeah. really interesting or stand out in any meaningful way. They're just they're just there to serve the purpose of beating the game, and that's pretty much it. And that's unfortunate. 
because I feel like you could have really interesting characters in this this game world setting, but they don't really do that, and that's unfortunate. Um, and they really, they really don't. That, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, yeah. Do you guys have oh. anything else you want to bring up? Oh, Matt. For- the one thing I do want to mention, and it's a continuation of a problem I have with the last last cut with I have with all of Hunter Hunter. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> Stop explaining your fucking men. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I do agree with that. Oh, I can't wait till we get to Chimera Ant when half of it is just narration. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, okay. All right. So let's talk about how the fact that uh, I still think... Okay, so one of my favorite things is that they literally do the trope. Okay, so when the bomber identifies himself, like, actually, like, he, he reveals that they... um they And he goes, like, oh yeah, I planned bombs on all of you. He straight he straight up says, "I'll tell you how it works," and then he starts going on like a five minute monologue on how his nen works, and I'm like, "Oh my god, shut the fuck up, please!" <laughs> this happens every time there's a new nen power. They have to sit down and get a fucking PowerPoint and explain <laughs> the intricacies of their goddamn nen abilities, like- and I'm just. <laughs> Already. Like someone's nen ability is literally they just conjure a Microsoft PowerPoint presentation. But then they would have a PowerPoint presentation on how they would conjure our presentation. Because that's what the nen state. You're not wrong. <laughs> I'm like, stop explaining your nen and show me your damn nen. That's just, all I care about. Just show me. Okay. With Hunter Hunter, it's better if they just show you. Because you already know what Nen is. You don't need an explanation. You can basically tell what they're... Uh, like, which category they fit into. And you also... You don't need to explain it if you show it. Hunter Hunter does an amazing job of showing Nen abilities. Like, yeah. you don't need to explain it. But they <laughs> also rely bad. too heavily on telling rather than showing. And it's a serious exactly. issue. It's a big issue... Uh, it's a big issue, particularly in Greed Island, um, because there is a lot of training stuff. So because of that, there's a lot of telling because it's like, okay, so we're teaching Gon and Killua. We have to go through every single step yep. of how they learn that. Here's uh, how Ko is- works. Here's how Gyo works. Here's how Ian yeah. works. It's like, yeah. shut up. They did that in uh, uh, Heaven's Arena. Yeah, but they had to reinforce it here. Because they that, didn't yeah. know how to properly do it. Yeah, they didn't know how to properly do it because they sucked. Because they're dumb, stupid kids. They're dumb, stupid. But now they're like, yo, dig, and you'll learn how to use Nen properly. Uh, which Man. apparently works. Uh, I, you know, for all, for all of its realism in terms of how it tries to do, like, uh, training correctly it still does like the dumb shonen thing where it's like if you do this one thing for like 10 years you'll be like fucking god <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you if you continue to charge your are on ken for 17 years you will <laughs> blow up the planet <laughs> <laughs> and it will be glorious <laughs> you will become jesus <laughs> I mean, God pretty much become Jesus, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, mean, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I can't wait until we get to Chimera Ant 
where we talk about the five episodes that are just them running up a staircase. Please no. I can't wait. I can't wait till we watch that and then I see them on the stairs and I'm like, oh no. Oh no, it's happening. They're on the stairs. Nothing happens for five fucking episodes. It's fucking great. Amazing. Don't you love it when the pacing in your arc is so bad that you're Wonderful. literally on it? Uh, but in any case, I think we're done talking about Creed Highland yeah, now. Yeah, I think it's time for final scores. Final scores. Jen? This is, this is tough, right? This is tough. Because it's like... Uh, I don't know. I think Okay, seven. I I did enjoy it for what it was. It does have its issues, but again, um, it was a nice breath of fresh air between the two. Uh, seeing uh, Gon and Kilua again and how they work. Bisky, obviously, one of the best parts. Um, actually, no, you know what? Fuck it, sex. It, it, it has a lot of issues. Ooh. Ooh, that's harsh. Ooh. I'm, I just, I'm not going that harsh. Oh, we're putting an F in chat for that one. Oh, F. It, it did have a lot of issues. And again, a lot of forgettable characters. Yeah, damn. Oof. Ooh, that's harsh. I did not expect to go that low. Shane, what did you give Green Island? I am. I will say. That after discussing it with you guys, my score has gone down for the arc. Same Be- here, actually. Because originally, when I watched it for the first time, I gave Greed Island a 9. Because I really enjoyed Greed Island for what it was. And I didn't really understand why everyone talked down about it as much as they did. But on rewatch, and after further discussion, yeah, it's all clear as day. Um... I'm not going to go that low. I'm going to go down to an 8 out of 10. Because I still had a lot of fun with Greed Island. And I still really enjoyed it for what it was. And the purpose that it served for the grander narrative. There's a lot of issues that hold it back though. There's too many. And I give, yeah. it's really a shame. Matt? I'm giving Greed Island an 8 as well. Okay. I think that's, from, that's the arc I gave it on... That's the arc I gave it originally, and I I did you watch the whole thing? I've watched a decent chunk of it prior to this, and it's an eight. Like I'm still sticking. Like yeah, it's an eight. Mm-hmm. It's easily the weakest arc of the entire series. Easy, like, by yeah. A landslide. Um, and because of that, but because of that, it kind of, but uh, and it clearly shows it's still a ton of fun, but. It's smack dab between the two best arcs of the series. Like this Yeah, it was great. it was destined to I'm fail. That's you why know. I'm rating it so low. It's just it's placed in the worst spot. Yeah. It kind of it brushes it brushes it under the rug. Yeah. Hey, bleh. Hey, bleh. Uh, all right. He's like, all right, it's like, all righty then. I think we're pretty much ready to move on to the random anime generator to pick our next feature yeah. podcast. If you don't know how, if you don't know how this works, uh, every time we pick a new anime, we rotate between one picked by me or Shane or the randomizer. Uh, Hana Hana was Shane's pick, so therefore it's randomized time. Um, now, bef- now, 
last time we used the no, last time uh, the uh, last time uh, we did randomizer this year, we got Spencer's meta. Uh, now we have two. We have three people here who have not used their metas. So, is anyone wish to use their meta? Volunteers tribute. <laughs> Jen wishes to use her meta. Uh, yes. We've been we've All been right. building this up for like weeks. Yeah. 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 Sorry. All right, Jen. All right. So, I'm gonna ask you a series of questions. I don't want you to answer them. Uh, uh, and that, this will give you a chance to meta the uh, the show that you wish to meta. So, uh, what TV ratings do you want? Um. It was. Or you just want, or just want all. Of you them. could just pick all of them. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I think it was the TB14 and TBMA. All right. Oh, okay. So those two. Okay. Uh, how many episodes? How many? Uh, between one and twelve. One and twelve. Okay. <laughs> Excuse I... me. Okay, what score do you want? Uh, between a 7.5 and an 8. I swear to Christ. I don't, I think she's realized that we're not doing initially what we thought. I thought we swear to fuck you two. <laughs> Are you okay, Shane? Just keep going. Alright, what year, what year's release between? Uh, 2014 and 2014. All right, 2014, 2014. And which genres do you wish to include? Uh, action. Uh, action? Uh, fantasy. All right. Mecca. All right. Hi-fi. Mm-hmm. And Seinen. Seinen. Seinen? Yes. All right. And ex- which genres exclude? Include all of the other ones. Everything else is gone. <laughs> you two are playing oh. me for a throwing me for a loop right now. <laughs> All right, for some clarification, um, uh, Shane believes that we, uh, Shane thinks that Jen is going Moggy. Well, uh, clearly not anymore. That was my original. That was my uh, original. All right, so to repeat for the meta, TV rating, TV fourteen, TV anime, uh. One to, between one to twelve episodes with between seven point five to eight, released from twenty fourteen to twenty fourteen, including action, fantasy, mecha, sci fi, and seinen, and excluding everything else. Yes. I have a feeling. All right, I'm generating the anime. Was your okay? So was your meta Knights of Sidonia? Hell yeah, boy! Knights of Sidonia, what? Yes. Yeah. I love this anime. Then, and I found out that both you and Spencer have never seen it. I haven't seen it either, so... Oh, yeah, I found out all of you never have seen this before. It is good, and I want you guys to watch it. All right. Okay. Then in that... It, yeah, then in this case, our next featured anime of the podcast would be both seasons of Nice of Sidonia, which you can find to watch on Netflix. At Netflix exclusive it's a Netflix anime. series. Yeah, it's a. It, it would also be our first CG anime we podcast too. It's CG. It's Polygon Pictures. So, uh, so get so so. Yes, we will be covering Knights of Sidonia. With that, I am your host Matt, 
aka Legion Rex. You can find me on Twitter at, at Legion Rex, aka Deep Stan account, where I post a bunch of random crap. And you can also find me on YouTube at Legion Rex. With me, I have my co-host Shane Aiken, the beautiful one. You can find him on Twitter at BGN, where he uh where he po- where he talks a lot about his ma- manga on his uh <laughs> on his uh on his twitter mm-hmm. as well as on his uh, you can also find him on youtube at beauty gaming network where he posts uh let's plays streams unboxings and podcasts of all sorts you can go check those check that out with me i also have my our guest jen who you can find on twitter at the, uh you you can find on twitter at i believe it is underrated podcast female no um, it's um it's uh at lethal june 13 or um the somewhat somewhat friendly yeah somewhat friendly podcast female the somewhat friendly podcast female so you can find her on twitter where she posts once every fucking month yeah Uh, i'm currently working on my music once in a blue moon yeah Yeah, once in a blue moon she will be posting music though when she can music Um, gaming cosplay just a bunch of random things but i'm currently working on bunch of my music hopefully that'll be up soon so yeah and with that yeah Hmm? jen what a great way to end Uh, all right (laughs) and with that we'll wrap we're gonna be wrapping up here i'm your hope and we'll see you all next time for knights of cydonia knights of cydonia i'm all right I am really excited, guys. Man, you threw me under the bus here. (laughs) Yeah. I I was so ready to watch (laughs) Moggy. Okay. Hopefully we'll get Moggy another time. Oh, boy. I guess guess we'll see you in two weeks for Knights of Cydonia. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. See y'all. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Gap. If you like what you've seen, you can subscribe to the Gap Podcast YouTube channel to get the latest podcasts as they go live. Be sure to like and comment and let us know what you guys think of the show. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.